and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio, and that is my phone sound. I'm your host, Daniel Colborn, and I don't think I have a phone sound, but right before the show started, I did have one, so I will uh, mute my phone as well. All right. Well, um, this episode is brought to you by uh, Android and iOS. Yes. Sending um, notifications at the wrong time since 2007-ish. <laughs> yeah how you doing i'm doing very well decal that's very good how are you i'm pleased to hear it i am also doing well um i'm in the uh messy hair window right the like too long and too short to be manageable yeah um and it doesn't matter if it's clean or dirty it doesn't matter you know none of it matters it just is everywhere i mean it, it looks good it's uh yeah i suppose oh you didn't it's, show me that angle it's oh. there it's, <laughs> it's a mess i'm just outside of that like i feel like i'm on the tail end of the too short like you know that that weird phase in the middle like i'm entering into the long phase now sure 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 um so i'm actually like not putting it in a hat how all the time. long were you recording videos for your course why oh it's just like does your hair change across the video <laughs> no no not that long it's the no. same yeah totally the same all right word yeah i had to save the screencast to the very end because you'd lock yourself in with screencast so right right yeah. um caleb daniel caleb porzio what's the modern web you all right for the user um caleb and i when we were scheduling this call um, as we do every, whenever, however often we record, um, we telegram and we say, how about this time? And it's like, yep, that works. And then, uh, occasionally one of us will have like an idea of something we could talk about. And Caleb said, can we talk about the modern web? And I don't know what the modern web is. And I didn't respond to his telegram message. So we're here. Great. So, uh, this is the story as I believe it. And this is not accurate. I haven't fact checked any of this. Yeah. But this is just as I have experienced it. Is this like modern in the sense of like modernity? Like no. <laughs> is there a postmodern <laughs> web? Right. Yeah. No, we're not in the postmodern web yet. Yeah, we'll get there um, soon. Right. So I was trying to come up with something there, but I don't. So um yeah, so hey dot com mm-hmm. came out and is a new app built on the way that GitHub is built where you're sending HTML over the way and Basecamp, but uh-huh. you know, it's like, un, though, like I use those examples all the time, Basecamp and GitHub sending HTML over the wire and swapping it in and not buying into the whole SPA thing. Sure. Um, and, but this is a new app that's doing that. So it's brand new and they've made this decision. So it's kind of made a bit of a splash and DHH of course talked about how much he loves the approach and all the advantages and, and that turbo links is eventually going to have some like, or that basically they're, they're working on some big game changing, life changing technology thing that I imagine is probably gonna be something like liveware. Sure. Um, I think so. Um, somebody wrote a post and so again, I, I don't know if it was in reaction to Hey coming out, but it seemed to kind of happen around the same time for me. Uh, somebody wrote a post called w- basically attacking the modern web, quote unquote, like mm-hmm. whatever. And it was just this really big post of uh, somebody who's like, nah, I honestly, I don't, I don't remember so much about this. This just a really big, good post 
kind of dismantling the modern web. And by the the modern web, they mean um, uh, PWAs, the JavaScript, yeah, all of that. Google the AMP, React, that and that stuff, and Angular, and Vue, and AMP, yeah, and gotcha. um, Svelte, and all all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's sort of what is meant by the term modern web. And then, uh, so, you know, I, I was into that. I read it. I was, it's great to hear the things that I believe, you know, sort of shared and going around without me having said them, you know, like it's, I'm just always excited when other people think that way. Sure. And, uh, and then a little bit later, Richard Harris, the creator of Svelte, um, yeah. So he, he put out a post called in defense of the modern web and it was a reaction to the other post. And Mm -hmm. it was basically like arguing all the points in the opposite direction. Um, both of them were great posts. They're mm-hmm. both really good posts and they have mm-hmm. great points on both sides. So then um, Adam Wathen had Richard Harris on his, uh, I don't know if it's a Richard Harris, Rich Harris, maybe just, maybe I have only seen it as Rich Harris, had Rich Harris on Full Stack Radio mm-hmm. to talk about the modern web. And so the I've Full Stack Radio that episode, episode is, yet, but that sounds good. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's called In Defense of the Modern Web. Okay. So Adam basically gave uh, Rich the platform to talk about um to, to, to basically say his points and Adam also did some, uh, you know, it's like, it, like Adam is kind of always barking up that tree, but he, he has the voice in the back of his head telling, you know, the counter voice. So he presented, he did a lot of devil's advocating, uh, to Richard's points or riches. Sure. <laughs> so anyway, and I was just fired up the whole time I'm listening to this and I'm just so fired up. I have so many thoughts and ideas and opinions. Yeah. This and, is what you uh, want the discourse to be what do you mean well this this is like these are the conversations you care about right yes like, yeah totally the, it's not like another it's not another episode where people are sort of complaining about like prop types and view or you yeah, know some, right. something like that <laughs> yeah. you know yeah totally yes um so yeah so i i was just totally amped up and i thought i think there's a much better conversation to have than the one that they had i think that was a great conversation and and uh and this is not a reflection on adam in any way he's like one of the best interviewers ever but um, but yeah, you know, I guess what I mean is there's just so much I wanted to say that I couldn't because they didn't have me on that episode, <laughs> you know. Sure. Like, the, the, there's so much more to this conversation, and I want to have it. So um, take know. me there. What What yeah. do you want to say? Sure. So, uh, where do we start? I'll start with something concrete and specific. So, uh, Rich's um, critique of Hay is uh, so first that it feels slow. Do you use hay? I don't. You don't. Shoot. That makes this harder. Uh, All right. Well, okay. So, well, all right. Well, here's here's a tweet that I put out. We can start here. I put out a tweet yesterday or the day before. You may have seen it where I I said the modern web, quote unquote, is a bit like already frames the the conversation in a bad way by implying that that the alternative to that is traditional or old school or conservative, Mm -hmm. you know? So... So I just think that's a dumb connotation to begin with because I feel like the stuff that I'm doing with Livewire and that Phoenix Liveview is doing is like cutting edge, yeah. super modern, sure. you know? So I just really want to first um, like uh, deconstruct what we mean by those things, deconstruct uh, to, to, the, to, the, to the actual things we're talking about instead of just saying modern and traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first thing that's always been in my head is the distinction is... The thing that I sort of thought it was at first, the distinction is um, sending HTML over the wire instead of JSON, mm-hmm. which basically means that you're doing templating on the back end sure. instead of templating on the front end. 
tracking that distinction yes makes sense to you uh it does although i think there's other there's more to that point okay uh like i think the i think the real distinction is that um the real distinction is that the templating happens on the front end it's not as important that it's uh you that you're sending json over the wire right okay the right. data the data that is traditionally in ajax requests coming in as json could just as well be coming from any other place including like a locally hosted sqlite database on an iphone sure or you know so i think if you if you want right so like the pwa argument like one of the arguments for it and one of the arguments for like a lot of these apps is that like uh there's a theoretical world in which like this app can function to some level without an internet connection right totally um and so uh while generally these things are sending json over the wire like there is a there is a point which is just that like the app can handle rendering on its own no matter where it gets its data right yeah totally so the distinction of templating happening on the front end and templating happening on the back end right um so that that's kind of where I left it for a long time, but I think those lines are even blurring and I'll throw a couple things from both sides that, that push those boundaries. So sure. first, um, the back end of Phoenix live view. Mm-hmm. So Phoenix live view does an initial render of HTML, then subsequent renders, they have all this fancy diffing stuff on the back end where they're not only just sending these dynamic changes, they're even, there's even templatey type stuff happening on the front end where the make request to the back end and if it detects that there's like so for blade it would be like a blade for loop you know if it sure. detects that like it knows the data that goes into that for loop and it'll just send like a json payload like a json array of that Whoa. data and it will re re like do the for loop in javascript because it already knows the it's already broken down the template inside of the for loop into static and dynamic parts and it can just sub in the dynamic parts so interesting so they're doing some things where they're templating on the front end um and then another some of the work being done on the back end right for sure yeah and yeah so another line blur is uh server-side rendering yeah you know um and that whole server rendered javascript components and stuff yeah, so there's there's lots of that happening where you're sending a request to the server to get rendered HTML from in, in the JavaScript ecosystem. And even I consider Livewire to be what what uh, by terminal but by traditional and modern terms, it would be the traditional method. It's the backend templating first method. Mm-hmm. But Alpine is very much a part of that that thing. And you know what? There's wire colon loading, which is completely front-end templated thing you know Mm -hmm. there's like it's not necessarily front-end templating in terms of like logic and whatnot but there's lots of front-end templating happening in terms of there's dirty states there's loading states there's all sorts of these things there's offline there's target all this stuff um so the lines are blurry there have i if i done a sufficient job blurring the lines between do you have any thoughts or opinions so far uh yeah i mean i think this is an important uh thing to make clear right because uh i think both sides have an easier argument if the lines aren't blurry yeah for sure um right and so to have this conversation in like a meaningful way i think you have to first acknowledge that like neither sort of ivory tower use case is real right right yep yes yeah so that 
Totally. And so that's, I think, was one of the, the things that was driving me crazy while I'm listening to this and I kept wanting to chime in was um, Richard Har- Rich Harris and I think a lot of other people in that front end community. Well, they, you know, Livewire is kind of like a niche thing in Laravel. Like it's not something that's in the broad world. Live view is more in the broad, like more people have seen yeah, these live like view and understand. First party supported. Yeah, it it was, and it was the first one to the table. It you know, it was just like a lot of people saw it and know what it is and understand the basics of it. Sure. Um, but live, so live wire is so different to me because live view is capable of being different, but the way it is right now is like because their requests are so fast because they're web sockets, everything's backend. You know, like right. they have like sixty frames per second Flappy Bird written completely with live view, and sure. you know, it's everyone's a request back to yeah, the, yeah. the server. So some of Rich Rich Harris's critiques of this way of doing things is that that's all well and good, but what happens when you need sixty frames per second, something more than a CSS transition? Sure. You know, and which to me, I, I'm like, well, if I needed that, I would just write it in JavaScript. Like I would write like an Alpine component that that did that. You know, and, but still like the core of my application would be this, um, you know, would be the fundamental thing, right. Is like, um, that argument, the, like what happens when you need blah argument is only valid if the thing that you're building either a is using web sockets or B doesn't require the backend, right. It's something that's completely front end only that doesn't require data from the back end. Right? Okay. Because those two scenarios, WebSockets and like totally front end, no back end interaction necessary, are the only ways that you're going to do any like huge number of renders really quickly. Right? For because sh- it, it's impossible to using Ajax to do that because the Ajax requests just take too long. Yeah, totally. Yes. Say, say it again. What are you saying? I understand well, what you're I just saying. Think, yeah, so I, I think it's like kind of an unfair um, problem to set up, right? So if you're if you're gonna say like, well, like all, these things are bad because like what happens when you need something that's sixty frames per second or something more sure. than a CSS transition or blah blah blah. Yeah. Right. Um, by setting that as the problem space, you've eliminated AJAX requests. Yeah um as like any part of that uh sort of meta right which means we're already talking outside of the realm of kind of normal spa programming right there's no there's not going to be any like axios get and then replace the state and then re-render all of the child components or something right which is kind of like what we talk about when we talk about like normal uh front front side rendering right um and so yeah of course this isn't like I feel like of course like server rendered stuff is generally not going to be a good uh solution to that with maybe the exception of Phoenix Live View. Um but that you're you're kind of setting like the most difficult problem for the back end to solve and it's it's obviously something that if that was your problem set you would just build it on you the You would front just end. build it in the front end. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that was really well put. Yes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's one um that was brought up and this is one of the most interesting ones to me that um, that so you have somebody in Australia using hey and they hate it because it's so slow. Sure. Because it's everything goes back to the server and they're not it's not being served from the edge where like I, I don't this is the part I don't understand that I think like some amount of server side rendering can happen at the edge mm-hmm. in JavaScript land. 
Um, so where there's certain, you know, let's say they have their servers in San Francisco and U.S. East, whatever. And so Australians are just kind of screwed. And that it was a critique on this paradigm. And so my reaction to that was, okay, so if you need data to render your template, even if you're rendering it in JavaScript, to get that data, you have to go to a real server, not the mm-hmm. edge, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you're using data, you're bound by the same constraint that the backend traditional quote unquote world is bound by. Yeah. Right. So that, there goes that argument. Um, I have a thought here. I know this okay. is sort of irrelevant. So finish your point and then I'll talk about my thing. Great. So, so there's that, like that, that, that takes down that argument you would say? Uh, yes, I agree. Yeah. And so rendering the template, um, so, but you, you could also say that like realistically, like with LiveWire, you're always rendering the full template. Like there, we don't do any edge stuff. I don't do any edge stuff, you know, right. theoretically you could. But I don't. So, and I'm not really talking practically here. Like this whole thing is about like theoretically, I think the quote unquote traditional way can do like everything that I I think it, I think it can provide the same experiences that, that people think that only the modern quote unquote way can provide. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We can prefetch HTML and make things feel really fast. You know, like he was talking about like page transitions and stuff like you could do page transitions with fetching the HTML on the back end, yes. preserving scroll state. You can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you can do all of that because you have kind of like, it's almost like a little tiny SPA on your front end that's just fetching its HTML. It's just deferring the templating to the back end yes. and it can defer it whenever it wants. You sure. can prefetch the, you know, that, that stuff. You can do all sorts of things. You could even cache those HTML bits at the edge if you yeah, had a you sophisticated framework. you can do all framework. the same sort of like optimistic UI tricks that people do in React and stuff. You know, like, yep. generally it's like the reason that it seems like React is better for those types of situations where there's like a lot of network latency is because people are using React to fake speed, right? It's not that this it's not that React is in any way faster or in any way gets its data more quickly from right. a distant server. Yeah. Um it's just the fact that there is doing it's yeah, expressing people, people there's sort of a lot of idioms inside of React programming for like what do you do to like fake speed when you don't have it? Right. Um which honestly is one of the reasons the internet feels so bad. Uh because yeah, right. when and you actually have speed Sometimes those things don't go away. And so I'm sitting here on a really fast internet connection, but still watching animations that I don't need to watch because someone thought it was a good idea to like add these animations so that if the network request takes a long time, we have, right, right. you know. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, there's a whole lot of this, both things can feel very bad if done poorly. Yeah. You know, like both ways feel horrible when they're done poorly and a slow SPA with a million loading spinners everywhere. And like basically any credit card like app I've ever logged into feels this exact way. Any banking app feels this way. I I think the, the important point here is that like uh, for the 80, 20 solution to those speed problems, like it's a loading state, right? And you have that in live wire and any of these sort of uh, backend rendered, javascript list uh frameworks like livewire or live view or whatever dhh is building right. um are gonna just support something like that right because it's right. such it's such a gimme it's so easy to implement yeah and then you, it's just like makes everything nice yep totally 
Okay, what was your thing? Um, my thing here was, uh, so I just, you know, I'm thinking about events a lot recently. Um, and I was just thinking, so you have, so we have multiple app servers, right? Yeah. Um, but a single database server. Um, yeah. And because you can only write to one database, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just thinking about like event sourcing and uh, whether it would be possible in a world where like all of your database rights were event sourced. Yeah. To actually like have multiple databases in different regions because everything is a like transaction that can yeah because like like, uh, iterating ids doesn't matter anymore okay um right and so you could just uh you could just store these like events into these databases that on some sort of a like as soon as the event is stored in the database then it's reaching out to the main central database to like sync up or whatever yeah so you would have like a main server that's like resolving all of these disparate entries from all over these different databases because like you know right now the the point or the way that like a lot of this works is that people just kind of assume that uh the like internal amazon network is faster than the external internet because amazon's routing is pretty good right you know and so that way you can have like an app server in australia and an app server in the u.s and an app server in asia that are all talking to like one database yeah, and that's faster than just having one app server, because uh, the travel time from the browser to the app server is the thing that takes a long time. And even if the database server is far away from the app server, because it's all inside of Amazon's like optimized yeah. routing world, right? Like it's you still get yeah. A there is some win. sort of uh, yeah. There but is I'm just a mental about, model that like just because something is co-located in your AWS dashboard that it's like within like it's just in Amazon's warehouse, you know, so it can yeah, just like, yeah, reach yeah. into. Well, it. no, yeah. but I think it's actually it is true that things are faster inside of Amazon than outside of Amazon. OK, um, but the um, the thing I think that's interesting to me is uh, like, could you have a setup where like you have like a like a U.S. East app server and a U.S. East database server um, and you could set it up where you know like right. nor- normal models that aren't event sourced you would ha- you would use the database connection that goes to the main database yep right but then like event sourced models you would use like a different database connection that goes to like your local database and is a lot faster for the reads and writes um, yeah so so like one layer of achieving something sort of similar like you can easily spin up uh read you know read databases yeah 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 so like um, yeah yeah like read copies and yeah, we, we and have then, one of those. Okay. Um, so like that's one way of actually yeah, massively solving this problem and only constraining rights, mm-hmm. um, which is great. So this, how would this work beyond that? Like what, what would it do that that setup wouldn't do for you? What so this would allow would you it? to actually store, right? So say I have a read copy like right next door to me, right? Yeah. Or, so I think I gotcha. I'm okay. in the US East uh app server right and there's also like a u.s east um database server so we would uh basically like if we were writing to an event source model those events could be stored in the u.s east uh server and then basically like replayed on the main central server because ids don't matter really yeah 
Yeah, that's super interesting. No, yeah, but I get it. It makes sense because rather than just like um, if you're if you have two databases in two different parts of the country that are read and write Mm -hmm. and they both get written to you, you can't just make one like lag off the other. You know, you have Mm -hmm. you can't resolve the diff um, where if if there was a central like a blockchain, you know, an event source log of of transformations, then you could share the transformations around and perform them. Mm-hmm. on other databases which is pretty cool like that that makes a lot of sense to me anyway that yeah i'm sure there's like a million things i'm not thinking about and i'm sure that there's some version of this story exists so, <laughs> right yes <laughs> that's uh, funny so yeah but link. that yeah yeah so so this is that decal um yeah i guess basically i just wanted to i well i i also do you see any like i guess what what i'm do, what i'm saying is i'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, I think people massively, uh, well, I, I think the conversation is wrong. And I think that there's a lot of people not understanding, um, Each what other. you, yeah. yes, you know? Um, so, uh, but I, I, I mean, my stance is generally that, um, that the quote unquote traditional is where it's at at the moment. Uh-huh. I think the one thing that, that we lack the one thing that like a LiveWire paradigm lacks is being able to render a blade template in a browser. Um, you know, so like like a React, like if React's doing server-side rendering, the same templating engine can run in the browser and also on the server, mm-hmm. which gives you lots of interesting advantages. Yeah. Um, well, it would be kind of cool to see a um, like an open standard for a templating language um right like jsx yeah but like uh with a lot of the sort of um the common things that are in templating languages right like ifs and fours and stuff that aren't that wouldn't just be part of javascript gotcha yeah but would be like actual like language features right uh, for this templating language Mm -hmm. um like erb or blade or any of these other sort of language specific templating languages it'd be cool to create like an open standard for that and that like languages could create their own thing that adhered to that standard so that you could use so that you could then build like a runtime in javascript JavaScript and implementation of that and then you could like you could basically like uh implementation agnosticize your data and you could make these like packets that would just work for any implementation that's really interesting that's really interesting. Because really, there's only like a couple of like symbols that matter. You get your ifs and your fours and your slots and. Yep. Yeah, it's it's true. There's so Adam was talking about templating on that episode and he was sort of talking about the times where he where the templating language breaks down and he has to use like render functions, you know, to use like an actual programming language to. Um, sure but couldn't you you couldn't you do something similar to your um static dynamic breakdown that you're doing with the live wire stuff where if you do kick out to something that's not part of the standard library of rent of right render functions it would just just be considered like a dynamic chunk right right yep yeah it's interesting it wouldn't be able to get generated or react on the front end you know alone right um yeah but that is interesting yeah man ah it's just crazy i'm just trying to figure out like because there's live wire as it stands mm-hmm. right now and then there's the theoretical live wire you right. know where well, honestly caleb what would you think about a world where live wire front end went away um 
and it was just part of browsers. Right? Where Livewire front-end was um, divorced from Livewire back-end, right? And that it was just a set of browser features that different back-end languages and frameworks could build their own back-ends for. I don't know if I understand. How would that work? Well, okay, so like HTML right now doesn't natively support um, fetching a chunk of HTML and then replacing it and having a loading spinner, right? Yeah, yeah. But yep. that's kind of the direction we're going in this branch of yes, totally of uh, development, right? Yeah, and browsers implement new things into their specs totally. all the time to support AJAX requests and to yep. support, you know, yeah. Um, and I could see like a like if the whole world became obsessed with this paradigm, right? Yeah, right. Like I could see a future where like some of the things that you do in the JavaScript of LiveWire. Yeah. Um. Would could just be HTML features or mm. like browser DOM features. Yeah. Right. I mean, most of everything that LiveWire ships could be that. And like DOM diffing would then become way faster, right? Because it oh, could yeah. be written in C or right, C plus totally. plus or whatever these browsers are written in. Yeah. Um. So they it, DOM diffing could be very fast, and uh, the you know the only thing that the front end or the thing that like these browsers could support would just be the like kind of making the request, accepting input in a specific format, and then like applying those changes to the HTML, right? Yep. And then giving um, you those optimistic UI, yeah, um, affordances. And then, uh, or you could make your own because they would just like dispatch events, right? And then you know PHP and Phoenix and Ruby and all of these different right. languages could basically build backend servers for. Yep. Uh, the sort of reactive DOM. Right. Yeah. I mean, so this is like one of the, this is one of the potential outcomes of the LiveWire project, like way far down the road is like, in theory, LiveWire's front end is completely backend agnostic. I don't right. use anything. And I know that you've so far kind of resisted pressure to separate them into different projects. Right. And they, it'll be a long time before that happens. Yeah. It, I would basically have to feel like I have nailed this paradigm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah to share it but um but at that point livewire could be a spec with a totally back-end agnostic um i mean it is right now it's just a garbage spec because you would have to be because i can change it whenever i want mm-hmm. <laughs> but um but but yeah so i mean i do see i mean that's basically what you're describing except what you're describing is instead of it being uh third party it would be like browser shipped well right you know? but i mean that would be the path right is like first things first it would become an npm package right Right, that people would install into their existing apps. Right. I mean, these things these things have to be like I feel. Am I cutting you off? No. Okay, I wasn't sure if I was just like going on to what you're saying or if you were about to keep talking. But okay, you're, um, you're good. So <laughs> that thanks, bud. That um, I like I was thinking about this the other day that there's like I think there's it's kind of inevitable that Liveware will end up creating its own DOM differ because I just end up mutating morph DOM so much. Right. And so these are all shared problems between any package that does something like this. Like, why are we all doing these things? There should be one DOM differ for this style of framework. Sure. There, uh, d- d- differ patcher, you know, morph, more, there's be one morph DOM that is meant for these tools. Morph DOM is not meant for these tools. What's morph DOM meant for? That's a good question. Um, it's meant to be a, it's meant to, um, 
it's it meant existed to be before like, you did, so it wasn't meant for what you meant. Right, right. It's meant to be a uh, like a DOM differ for real DOM, so that you know you're not passing in a virtual DOM. Sure. But it supports virtual DOM, which is one of my beefs with it. Uh huh. Because it's like I don't need virtual DOM at all, uh-huh. and because you support it, there's so much weird stuff in here that has to do with virtual DOM that I always just have that I either like remove or just have to, you know, waste cycles on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so I think that I mean the idea is that that it's like um, faster than everything else because it doesn't have to render two virtual DOM trees, resolve them, and then patch the DOM. Sure. It's just state. It's it leaves like one DOM tree living in the browser, and then either takes a second DOM tree that you've provided it or creates one itself from the virtual DOM, and then does a different patch, which is in theory faster. Sure. Um. So whatever. So there needs to be one of those tools. Alpine is written. I'm so glad I didn't make it just a part of LiveWire yeah. because now LiveView can use Alpine um, and they, you know, they wrote a thing for it. So Alpine solves that those front end problems and MorphDOM should exist and solve those. And there should be uh, like an Alpine itself within itself should expose basic things like easily um, listening for events on a, on an element. I'm trying to think of, of good ones, good utilities that I would want exposed. Yeah. But uh, a lot of Dom walking stuff, stuff like that. The browser really, like here's my dream is that you document dot query selector you get an element mm-hmm. and i want to be able to do like dot on destroyed yeah, and yeah. hook into when like why is the browser not hooking me up with these these baller apis that they totally could but they're not so right. we have to deal with like that, mutation observer and stupid stuff like that well and this comes back to our perennial question right what is Just, that why is why Dom, Dom no good? good? Yes, we are back there. Dom could be good, but it's Dom not. could be good. It's like the, the Dom, the browser approach to most things is an observer approach. Like you're observing things like, yeah. like event. Um, oh, what's that called? Where you listen to events at the window level instead of attaching them to elements themselves. Mm-hmm. Event. Whatever. I can't think. No, it's called, there's like just a term for it. Propagation. But no, um, whatever can't think of it but like that mutation observer it's like you're observing changes you're not you know which there's advantages to but everything is so observer focused all the apis that Mm -hmm. it's really hard to like drill down and deal with elements on their own as their own things but because we use like we're like headed towards component level like uh templating like this is how it should be because yeah well and like an alpine gives you a lot of that little sexiness right like Alpine yeah, lets that's you, the... like, you know, like I, I'll keep talking about this Xinit paradigm, right? But Xinit yeah, is yeah. basically like on created. I know. Right? Xdata with Xinit is like, yeah. it's crazy that, it's, that it's like an emerged pattern. Yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't know that this was a hole in browsers in the DOM, but it is. Yeah, it is. It is. And like, like... the, it's crazy because like ev- literally every JavaScript library since I have been a professional web developer that wasn't like an NPM package has had this like, and then put this script tag in your head and then right. in that script tag, say like photo gallery dot in it. Right. Right. And yeah. it's like, why does I have to be in my head or at the bottom of my dom at the yeah. bottom of my body right before the closing body tag? Like, right. why does it have to be in these places you say, Right. Why can't it live with the div ID photo gallery that you told me to make? Yep. You know, and right? It, and the, and the, the the frameworks that the or the libraries that do that 
they they can off, you can do this right now and they they do this by offering APIs like um uh, I mean there's a few different ways to do it but like like uh, data attributes yeah so you could have like oh if you want to you know you you install the script tag to include this date picker now on the div you want it included you would say like data hyphen date picker but yeah. now you need to add configuration so then you sure. have a bunch more data attributes sure. really I just want an X in it and then I want JavaScript I uh-huh. want to just pass in a JSON object I can generate it from wherever data 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 so i guess i've just the way i guess that that really the best way of framing all of this is that there's like or the the thing that i really want to talk about that we are talking about i'm sound like pretty happily from uh um parks and rec if you get that reference at all i don't know okay he's the the news reporter who just announces the things he's in he's like the transparent the news reporter self-referential news reporter so he'll it's like and now I'm asking you a question because I am a news reporter, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, Deacon. Um, yeah, this thing that like Livewire is what it is right now, but there is theoretical Livewire and I'm trying to figure out what are the theoretical boundaries of it. Sure. Like, like, well, like we were talking with prefetching, like Does I could prefetch everything. Yeah. Does yeah. it matter that you learn the theoretical boundaries now? No, totally not. Because you know what the theoretical starting point is. What's that? splitting the front end from the back end into separate repositories. What do you mean? Like that's the be- all of this stuff that we're talking about. Yeah, that's what spurred this that's, whole journey. Well, and that's like where it that's where it takes you eventually. It just gets to the point where you have to be satisfied that right because the convenience of having them in one repository is that you can make full stack changes. Right. Right. And be like, oh, I don't like the way this works. I'm going to build a front end and back end part of this that's going to change. Right. Right. Whereas if it becomes two separate repositories, now you're kind of locking yourself into like the transport protocol. Right. Um, so you need to get comfortable enough with the transport protocol that you feel like it's not going to change in a drastic way. And then, but then once you do that, like the world gets really interesting once you have. Yes. Livewire.js and Livewire PHP. I mean, that really, yeah, it is. That's a really good point that um, I, I was saying this on a podcast the other day, my little building Livewire podcast. I think that that um, like I just kind of woke up and realized I haven't written a controller in a year and that controllers are like useless. And uh, to me, um, yeah, it's terrible. To, yeah <laughs> forget who i'm talking to you don't need convincing yeah um, well not only that it's like even with blade components i'm angry that i have to write a controller to I know. render the blade component i did talk to taylor about being able to just throw i don't know if he did anything with route it but it's possible to com- that, route to blade component yeah just pass it into the route yeah the spoiler alert that's what that's you know this is one of the livewire v2 things is like no more route clone clone livewire just pass a livewire component as if it was a controller and it'll just whoa work. that's yeah. cool no more controllers that's really just, cool yep it'll just work um yeah man so yeah so i mean i i think that really what it is is like the back end has lagged behind the front end pushed forward showed us componentization and how great it is and now the back end is catching up and and not only just catching up like yeah there's the the live wire component is a full stack component that's what it is it's a full stack component and that's something that is not currently in the equation for a lot of other paradigms you know what i mean yeah. and that's the big beautiful thing to me 
is that you're thinking about functionality. It's co-locating more things in the same way where, you know, where not having a separate CSS file, where Tailwind is a breath of fresh air and not having a separate CSS file, and mm-hmm. Alpine is a breath, breath of fresh air and not having a separate JS file. Same way Livewire class is a breath of fresh air and not having a separate controller. And not and all of that functionality being directly accessible and not needing separate routes and endpoints for every single thing, just being able to call it. The line yep. was imaginary. The line was a distinction because of the technology. And now we know enough that you can that the line is um it's it can be a construct. Like we can remove it as a construct completely. It will always exist on an implementation level. You know, I have to think about the line between the front end and the back end, but it doesn't have to be part of the mental model of the person writing their 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 code. You yep. know? And the really cool thing about it is that remember three, four years ago when the whole, the big debate in the Laravel community was big controller methods or little controller methods, right? Do sure. we want fat controllers or skinny controllers, you know? Do we want to have tons of work being done in the controller method and uh, and nothing really happening in the model? Or do we want to have like tons of stuff happening in the model and not very much happening in the controller method? Or do we want to have sure. all these weird like strange classes called something service.php that do like, yeah. <laughs> you know, weird actions? Um, yep. And I think that that having gone through that argument as a community and like having sort of settled at least generally speaking some sort of understandings about like what kind of things go in controllers and what kind of things don't go in controllers like now you kill the controller method and it's like oh all of that stuff that was in my controller now just moves straight into my component and like the decisions we came to about what sorts of things stay in models and what sorts of things stay in controllers were good ones yeah. Um, because all those actions now still make sense in components, right? Like I can imagine terrible components, right? That have For like sure. all sorts of crazy Absolutely. things. Absolutely, I've seen all sorts it. of like eloquent <laughs> wares that should be yeah, just gross. And, you know, things, all sorts yeah. of just like nasty big DB raw queries and oh. just like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, just... I can imagine that because I've seen controller methods like that. You know, yep, people totally. write them, but yeah. uh. But at the end of the day, like, if you were smart and disciplined about your controller methods, you're going to be smart and disciplined about your components, right? Yeah. And if you are the person who despises a a PHP file that's longer than you can scroll on your screen, like, you have already developed the habits that are going to lead you to making beautiful components. So, like, don't worry about never writing a controller again. It's going to be fine. And the abstractions um, also feel like you can do the same extract abstractions in a controller. Yeah, you can still have good like user service.php that's a terrible file that does bad things. Right. What I'm what I'm guess I'm saying in terms of the abstractions I'm thinking about is like extending. You think twice before you extend the base component. Like I don't reach for that abstraction. That's like way down the list. Right. And adding a trait to a controller, those are way down the list in terms of abstractions to make controllers better. Uh-huh. Before them is request objects and popos and whatever, put uh-huh. that stuff in the model. Where a live wire component, it feels appropriate to extend and to mix in traits. Um, I've never done that. That sounds cool. Just insane stuff you can do. Yeah. Dude, you know what I did to freaking day? 
I do? don't know if I have something here, but I saw something that might be something. Mm. I think I achieved the Holy Grail. Surely it has its like very, very short limits, but I think I achieved the Holy Grail of the create and edit form in one, you know, hit me like the, a live wire component that is capable of creating and editing a model Yep, and a blade view that is capable of creating and editing a model. Um, tell me about it. So I, I wonder if I can tell you about it without giving, I'm just going to give away a ton of like, I guess I'll just talk about it. Um, yes, uh, there was a howl. So we have a brief intermission to close the door and now we're back. Now we're so back. Daniel, so in Livewire, yes. here's something, yes. Livewire properties. It's yes. all about the properties. That's the stateful part of Livewire. Sure. I started out where those properties were like living in the back end, basically, like protected properties would get put in the session, whatever. So you could put anything you wanted in properties, but there were big constraints. So I don't know if you remember any of this, but way back when I decided, no, Livewire will be stateless. It will send its request to the browser and it will not keep track of things in the back end mm-hmm. until it gets that request back. Um, so everything went, nope, public properties can only be JavaScript safe types, can only be an integer, a number, you know, a, a string, an array, right? So, but then I like added some things. Then I was like, well, we could actually deserialize. We could serialize eloquent models and reserialize them on the way back, like you do with cute jobs, you know? It's like, oh, we could do that. So that, right. And then people are like, well, what about collections? So now, Liveware V2, you'll be able to use uh, collections. Uh, you could just set a collection as a property and it'll just feel like a collection forever. You just don't even think about it. But you can use it as an array in JavaScript or a collection in PHP, and you never have to worry about casting it or anything. It just is a collection because I make a little note that's like, this is a collection. So when you rehydrate on the way back, make it a collection. Sure. Same thing with date time objects. They're just date time objects. They just are. You can, you know, you could just keep them as public properties and arrow add day if you want. So what do you mean? Well, I don't want to dig too deep into this. Keep going. Okay. So I want to interrogate your collection implementation, but we'll talk about oh, that some other time cake i mean i just to array it well i just mean the like the difference is. between like keyed arrays and non-keyed arrays right and like because collections are like you know like associative arrays and javascript doesn't have those sure do, do those become objects with keys yes yep okay yep all right yep um yeah that's a fun conversation sometime all the crazy stuff i had to do to work with javascript uh whatever Types, so yeah. yeah so you got collections date times eloquent models eloquent collections of models so you have all these things and i thought wouldn't it be dandy so i i made it so that now in livewire you can just store a model as a property and you can wire model to it directly so if you have a post property that's just a post model you could in a text field you'd say wire model post dot title and then when you update that text field the the title of that post model will update but not in the database it won't persist it'll be like an in-memory update mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah so it'll feel like a long-running back-end instance sure makes sense uh-huh. so i today i was like why can't i allow people to um to set like you could say this arrow post equals new post 
So an eloquent model that doesn't exist yet in the database. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And then you could wire model to that. Because you already have the schema, basically. No schema. What do you mean? Wait, what do you mean? Keep talking. So in the mount method, I do this arrow post mm-hmm. equals new post. Yes. Okay. Now in the template, I have an input type text, wire model post.title. Mm-hmm. Okay. You type into the input. Now this arrow post is an empty eloquent model with a title attribute set to whatever is in that text field. And it's null. What do you mean it's null? It's null on the new one. Oh, no, but you set it. Okay. You set it in the background. It's set. Yeah. yeah. So at any point in time, you could arrow save and then it's mm-hmm. persisted in the database. Mm-hmm. So you could basically make a form that basically is like display the thing if it exists. Otherwise, display the input to set the thing. And that's how you make your create edit. Oh, no. So here's the thing. Yeah. Or Sorry. It's a, it's a form, right? Yeah, yeah. But you just set the content of the field to the data. All you do, Well, Wire Model does that for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all you do, you think about that. You create an edit form. Done. Just do it mm-hmm. the way you would normally do it. And now if you magically want to make it capable of creating, you just... Do oh up gosh, a post yeah. and pass it into the edit form. Exactly. Well, so here's, here's the step even further, dude. Get ready for this shit. Are you ready? I'm so ready. <laughs> I'm so yeah. pumped about this. I started doing all these weird things because... So I have route colon colon get in my, in my routes file. Like post slash curly cues post, you know, for route model binding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. For the edit form. And then in my mount method of LiveWare, the mount method reacts to route model binding if you use that LiveWare component as right. a, like a controller. Yes. Okay. So I was like, well, how do I make it so that if I want the create page, like how do I make it so that... Question like mark I, post. Yeah. So I started with that and I don't, that doesn't work. It doesn't? Um, maybe it works, dude. I'm an idiot. I tried it, but I think I tried the wrong thing. Anyway, what I realized was you would probably end up with a separate endpoint anyway. So you'd have like route. So you could just have two endpoints that use the same live wire component. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. of them does the route model binding. And one of them's just post slash create. But because you dependency injected in the mount method, if it's route model it bound. It up anyway. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's cool. That's Isn't really that cool. Dope? Yeah. So this whole live wire component. I think you, you, you need to solve the, the optional post URL parameter because that, that is doable. So that's an interesting thing because I could do that, uh-huh. but you would still be going to two separate URLs. Like you'd be going to post slash edit and then post slash, oh, interesting. Hmm. I don't know. I think you're right. I think you're right. I don't know. Like if it, you know, if it's like po- if the, the route declarate definition or whatever is post slash curly Q post slash edit. Mm-hmm. So if you had the question mark in front of the post and the curly cues in the URL bar, you would do slash post slash edit. Mm-hmm. You would skip that middle one. Mm-hmm. Right. So that would yeah, just feel kind of weird. You could do something that's not edit. You could do something fo- like form. Right. right. Post slash so form then when you or post slash it, ID slash form. <laughs> I just was thinking something, but I'm back from it now. If you <laughs> save it, you would just redirect. Yeah to the form that has the id in the url right it would be the same thing caleb you need to have you need to build some sort of i don't know if you already have this you might have already solved this if i redirect from a live wire component 
yeah. from a route that has a live wire component to another route that has the same live wire component, yeah. you should just, just keep update me on the URL same thing bar. and handle it on the front end. Yeah, so here's the thing, Decol. This is the future of LiveWire. Is LiveWire doesn't need TurboLinks in the future. In the future, it's like SPA land, but just LiveWire components. So if you're going to two different LiveWire pages, there's no full yeah. page request. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you could freaking make the router right now because you can have dynamic LiveWire components. You could make your own LiveWire router today. And Caleb, 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 think about this too, right? It's like if you have a... Think about how much faster the page loads are, right? Because if I'm going from, uh, I don't know, I, I can't think of a good example right now, but like most apps have like an app frame, right? Yeah. You know, that has like header footer, loads the CSS, load, you know, does all this stuff, right? Yeah. Now yeah. that your bundle size is so much smaller, and I, I know most of those get cached anyway, so it doesn't matter that much, like the okay. CSS files and stuff. Right. But like at the end of the day, like you can like even switching between two totally different live wire components if they extend the same layout right like you're only updating the parts that changed on two yep. totally different routes and i'm not turbo link so i'm not like trying to figure out if there's different stuff in the head you yeah. know and like resolve those differences and you know it's yeah. it's i have more control because yeah. i have the framework built around it so i don't have to deal with like two completely different pages and resolving the differences and swapping out the body and even better I don't, I'm not swapping out the body. I'm swapping out just the live wire component. Yeah. And, well, it wouldn't be DOM diffed, but yeah. And so it's all push state. So you can just hit the back button, go to the old component. You can, dude, oh my gosh, dude. If you want to add some transitions, no problem. I'll just make some API that leverages Alpine transitions and you could just easily transition between pages. Good to go. Get Good the to like go. Star Wars wipes. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and it's random you don't know which one yeah you don't know which way time. it's going right so deke that's yeah. one level that's of really future. cool that's really cool stuff so then live wire native uses all of that together so that uses web views and all of that scaffolding so when live wire native comes out um it just provides you with this super nice experience where you can basically get a native experience with your LiveWire app, and it gives you the affordances to hook into actual native mobile menus um, and stuff like that, and like back arrows, native back arrows and stuff like that. And then we just solved mobile. And so we do all of this, and all you're using is Blade and sprinkling a little bit of Alpine, you know, accessing Eloquent whenever you need to, wherever you need to, call it a day. And we could, you could like enable prefetch. So you do like wire prefetch dot all, and it'll just prefetch like everything you need to. Any any action at all in LiveWire in the future, you could just do wire colon prefetch. And then you can say, do I want this eagerly prefetched? Like as soon as it's able to, or do I want it prefetched on hover or on intent or on, you know, thumb press down, you know? And so everything is all prefetched out and it feels totally instant, even on slow connections. It's very you know what cool. I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, bro? I do know what you're saying. And every view that it ever gets is cached in like local storage. So it can like call it back instantly, you know, when you hit like the back arrow or even if, you know, I don't know, it has some way of being really smart and figuring out how to like not make calls to the server all the time. You know, the people who listen to our podcast for like the non-tech episodes, like where yeah. we just like ramble and talk like my mom, like my dad, yeah. <laughs> they are not going to love this one, but the user, 
the listener, the, user, the, the programmer, listener bro? the programmers who started us and who keep us going. We've owed them a hard tech episode for a while. For sure. And this is a very hard tech episode. I hope you like it, listener, user. They love it. They love it. Oh, uh, this is fun, dude. This is very exciting. You have a lot going on. You got to hire some people. <laughs> so here's the thing. I... I so I'm listening to Adam's full stack on hiring. Oh yeah. So in case the user didn't see the tweet, um there's an official version two war going on between Caleb and Adam. I declared it. <laughs> it's a race to version two. Um Does he have any them, like actual dates planned or anything? I don't know. He said he's writing documentation. Okay. So it's gotta be getting close. Yeah. Um but every day I get on Twitter and both of them are just tweeting screenshots of new features and that are going to be in version two of their thing. So there's like <laughs> version two of Tailwind is going to support this and version right. two of Livewire is going to support this. And I'm just like, yeah. oh my God, the version two wars are on. <laughs> it's like a space race. Yeah, that's funny. That is funny. Interesting. Yeah. yeah so we'll see. But hi- so I'm listening to this full stack on hiring where Adam's talking to Jason Cohen, the WP Engine guy. And, um, and in like the first five minutes, I was reminded and convinced that I should not hire anybody for basically ever. <laughs> I was just like, what I need, here's the thing. I need somebody to do my chores. Like, that's what I need. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge problem. Like, that's not an easily solved problem. And the chores, you have a particular problem, right? Which is like, most people can hire like an executive assistant or something right. to answer their emails <laughs> and stuff. But like... The person you would hire needs to be technical and understand live and understand how Livewire works and understand all this stuff. Yep. But also is going to be doing a lot of non-programming boring work, which is like the worst. Because if you are a developer who is into this stuff enough to know how to do it, that's what you would rather be doing. Yep. Rather than doing the boring stuff. I mean, so they're talking about this problem because Adam's basically coming around to the same thing. He sort of was like walking through like stream of consciousness to Jason sort of describing his situation. And he's like, you know, I like the R&D phase, you know, basically he's saying what I would say and anyone else like me and you would, you know, you love the phase where you're building and you're exploring whatever, but you know, the rest of it you don't want to do and you, and maintaining and bugs and issues and stuff. Um, Basically, I, I, what would solve all my problems is if I didn't have to worry about pull requests, issues, support, tweets, or emails. If I didn't have to worry about those things, there would be so much more code being cranked right, out. Except that you have to because you're the only one who can really know whether right. a pull request should go into the framework or not. Exactly. That's the really hard part. And even if I pay someone to solve a pull request, like I pick out a specific one and say, like, this is very scoped, solve it. I still have to review the code before pulling it in. And most and of the time like for me, you don't like doing code review. I hate doing code review. Most of the time, it's easier to just write it. Almost every time for me. Almost every time. It's like, it's easier for me to write it. And if it's not easier for me to write it, I shouldn't pull it in because I don't understand it. You yeah. know what I mean? I feel like I'm totally trapped. Yeah. And I don't know the way out. But Alpine is completely settled. Like, dude, we haven't had a pull request. We, we're a pull request zero issue number seven there's 17 issues my buds my alpine buds help a ton mm-hmm. they've done a ton but alpine is like stabled out right now like nobody nobody there's done. no issues with it it's crazy yeah. and i want alpine v3 but i'm like i do not want to change what's going on here yeah, right yeah, now yeah. so it gives me hope that there is a future 
where Livewire is stable enough for long enough where I, you know, really drill down on issues and pull requests and don't do a bunch of crazy new things all the time and get it to a similar place. And yeah. then I can more focus on something else. But yeah, but it's a what freaking hard problem. So I was just thinking like, uh, yeah, that's cool. But you don't want you don't want your repo to look like it's stale because there haven't been any updates in the last six months or something. <laughs> don't touch right? anything. Um, but then I was thinking, well, there's lots of JavaScript libraries that like we all use all the time. I wonder when the like when I wonder when the last pull request to like Lodash was. Dude, there's some you'd be surprised. Like or I'm like always surprised moment. by last um by those like little that's one of the first things you look at on a on a repo is the last yeah, yeah, commit yeah. date or whatever. Last commit date. And that's how I know if a repo's good, unfortunately. Right, I know. But sometimes I'll look at a repo and it'll be like way long ago and I'll be like, No way. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And then other times it's some old crusty thing that you look at and it's like updated two days ago. I'm like, wow, there's still some guy who's like slogging yeah. along on this old thing that nobody cares about. Uh-huh. Sucks for him. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it is interesting. I've thought of like, it, it is funny how that, if you think about a GitHub repository's homepage as like a marketing page, you know, all the, all the little, if you think about all the little, I don't know if affordances are the right word, but the little points of marketing that are subtle and kind of left unsaid, like, marketing your repository part of it a huge part of it is that date like you could game that so easily by just mm-hmm. having like some bot commit like spaces in your readme or something yeah um, that'd backfire you think so <laughs> i wouldn't do it i'm just saying like these are subtle things that that um that you look at i mean i look at the date i look at um i don't know that's like the biggest one i look at the it date the biggest one I look at the date and i look at stars those are like the two big ones. Yeah. Stars Dayton are huge, stars. dude. People act like stars ain't shit, but stars are big. Stars are big. Stars are big. Alpine busted 10K recently. Nice. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks, bud. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so Deke, it's a, but really this is the tough problem to solve, Daniel. It's like, I, so I made uh, 50 grand on the VS Code course. That's pretty good. Um, it's yeah. half of what I suggested that you should make. Oh, cool. You, oh, you said 100? Yeah, I, I said you should make 100. You, okay. You, I guess, weren't willing to go that high. I so. lowballed, right? Like 25 yeah. or 30 or something? Uh, you didn't... No, you refused to answer. Oh, okay. Well, in my head, I was like, yeah. if it's less than 25, I'm a failure. If it's more than 35, I'm happy. Whatever. Cool. Um, you made 50 Gs. Made 50 Gs. Everybody and loves 50 Gs. 50 Gs I don't know anyone who's like not psyched about receiving $50,000. I wasn't psyched for a long time. I'm going to be straight up with you. But enough time has I passed. I told you you're going to make a hundred. Well, just because I don't know, and so I don't, let's not talk about it. But uh, I, it wasn't like uh, somebody just gave me fifty G's. It was like because yeah. to me the money is like such it. It's more of an indication of like how good the content is and how well it was marketed and mm-hmm. executed. And so you know I don't really convert it to dollars very well in my head. Um, but, but you I have owe, fifty thousand dollars you didn't used to have now. Right. So I owe some of that to Gumroad and I owe some of that to Adam who helped Rich Bart who helped me on the course. Sure. Um but, but still, after you that, have a bunch of money you didn't use to yeah, have. Yeah, like 40 40 let's say 40 grand. Yeah. Um so what do I want to do with it? I want to somehow use it to take away my problems and turn Livewire into things I just described and I don't know how. You huh. know. Yeah, like, that's rough. And I'm at this point where I'm like, I don't think it can help me right now. I think the only thing that can help me is putting my nose down and doing more work for a long time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You have a um, solution? 
No, I don't. I mean, Taylor probably has the only real input on this. Taylor's the only person who can answer your questions on this. He would be able to provide an answer. He has the exact same problems you have. And it seems like the way he solves them is by clearing the ground as much as possible by hiring really competent people. Yep. And then putting his nose down and doing most of the work himself. Right. Yeah, right. That's the thing. I look at Taylor and (laughs) I'm like... The guy's (laughs) so... He's got all the money he needs, right? He could throw money at the problem. Oh, yeah. Easily. But there's just nowhere to throw the money, I think. Yep. I think I totally agree. I imagine he feels similarly. But like, but I look at that and I'm like, is that the future? Is the future like having to somehow game my own brain to be capable of dealing with pull requests on every single repository like well, he every doesn't day really deal with pull requests that much though he does he did last time i was pull requesting yeah but that was before the new era where he doesn't do as much with pull requests maybe like i mean he still does like approve and merge some yeah i think when he's feeling froggy or when one interests him but yeah. like a lot of pull request stuff is dealt with before he sees it you know yeah and i mean i think that is something you could throw money at is like somebody to understand like to take vague issues and pull requests and turn them incredibly concrete for you right that's really what i need which would save you all the like source diving bs so i'm trying that um i am paying uh basically one person right now um it's just like a short test engagement and i'm just saying like what i want you to do is go through all of the liveware repository and basically just give me a list of what things are high priority what are easy wins and categorize issues and pull requests into groups like this is these are file upload bugs these are um you know dom diffing bugs these are new features um, and then just rank them in, in, in order of like general, like how much effort they take and how clear they are. You know, like the ones on the bottom are ones that I don't, I shouldn't well, care that much get about. To the bottom the ones... of the cause of the bugs. Well, so that's, a, that's a bigger sell. That's a, a tougher one. That's yeah, one but it's that. it's something you could still pay someone to do. Oh, I agree. Yes. But it, it's like, to me, I'm like, okay, I could send this, this person on this mission and in like a week I could have yeah, something that, delivered. So that doesn't matter, Caleb. Um, the fact that you would do it faster than they would, or that like you would waste less time because you already know where it is or whatever, right, is unimportant, right? Because the problem is that you are a finitely constrained resource and they aren't, right? So even if they take ten times longer, just pay them for that ten times amount of work. It still saves you an hour if you pay them for ten hours, right? And yes. I think that's the important thing is that like these these people like you need to you need to just be okay with the fact that they're working less efficiently than you would yeah that's true and and i think what it is is it has to be like almost like work that i could send out to mechanical turk but like put the filter on where the person has to know laravel and liveway really well yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly like well, that's, and th- that's the thing right is like you create like you could create these um sort of criteria for how a bug is defined right and like lots yeah. of users in your issues aren't going to use those and people are going to make bad pull requests that don't have tests and but you know blah 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 but you can just hire someone to go in and be like okay look uh 
if there's a thing where it seems like the person accurately assessed a bug and it seems like they actually wrote a fix for it that works, but their pull request is a mess, you could pay someone to just go in and be like, write a test for this that proves that it works, you know? Yes. Here's what I need. I need a person who is a master of the Livewire test suite, which is currently in flux, half yeah. jest, half dusk. There is no, there is no third, such person, but yeah, third dusk, third dusk, <laughs> third jest, dusk, and PHP unit where they're a master of the test suite in live where they own it. And I've already paid them to convert them from Jest to Dusk. I haven't, but I'm saying in the future, mm-hmm. that'd be great. So this person like owns the testing, okay? Their job is they get issues and pull requests. So somebody makes a pull request, they didn't add a test, they make sure there's a test. Somebody make, but really let's talk about issues. Somebody submits an issue, their job is to, within reason, I'm not looking to like spend a bunch of money on randos just submitting bad issues. like. Sure. But somebody submits an issue and it's a decent one. They reproduce it and write a failing test for it. Yep. Yep. And that's their job. Your job is reproducing and writing. Fail- it sounds like the worst job in the world, but uh, that's the job. Yeah. Writing failing tests for bugs, whether there's a pull request or not. Right. Yeah. So right. if there is a pull request, write a test that fails if that pull request isn't there and passes if that pull request is there. And if it's easy enough, if you wrote the failing test and it's really, really easy, just fix the bug and submit yeah, that pull request. Exactly. If it's yeah, not, yeah. just submit the pull request with the failing test because that's the hardest part. I could fix stuff all day. Well, and you should empower these people, I think, this is my opinion, you should empower these people to write what they think is the correct fix for the bug anyway. Even if the chances are that you're going to trash it and write it yourself anyway. Yeah, I would need permission to do that. Yep. But just tell them that. Be like, listen, 50% yeah. of the fixes that you build, I'm going to throw away and write it myself. Right. It's not because I don't like you. And you writing that was still valuable because it's a numbers game. And you are so here's ultimately the saving this, me Daniel. some time. I love it. Yeah. But here's the problem. So as this is what Jason and Adam were kind of talking about, because Adam wants this to some degree, we'll say. Like he wants somebody to take the, the garbage off his plate so he can do the good stuff, the meaningful mm-hmm. stuff that only Adam can do. Mm-hmm. So this is similar to what I want, but I'm just being explicit. Like I want the chores done and we've described what we want. And so Jason's response is sort of, you know, it was really nebulous because he gave a handful of different responses. But here's kind of what I got was this feeling that like, yeah, that's a pipe dream. Like if, if you want to create, you want somebody who likes their job, you know, like most people don't like doing the shit work. That's the work people don't like doing. So you're basically creating a bad job. Um, what you want to do is create a good job where there's some of the innovation and some just like what you're doing. So the message I heard was like that I was hearing is like, oh, man. Really what I, the, the quote unquote right thing to do is to hire somebody, bring them on and be like, all right, we're both going to share in this. Sometimes we're going to be heads down in the bugs and other times we're going to be doing new development. But yeah. to me, that's not what I want. I want somebody to do the chores. That's what yeah. I'm paying you for. That's what yeah. the, this is Don Draper. Uh, why do you never say thank you? That's what the money's for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but does that person exist? If you're listening to the show here, this is great. If you're listening to the show and you want this job, <laughs> this shitty job, please contact me <laughs> um, and tell Caleb that you heard about it on no plans to merge so that I get my 10% finders fee. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think these people exist. Um, Jake Bathman got hired at Titan to do a sh- shit job. Oh, um, like when he was first hired? when he was first hired and i think yeah. he still is doing that shit job today oh really and i think he just happens to like it 
there's people like Jake. I mean, Jake seems to. Yeah, right. Anybody doing work on the big G? Been doing the big G. Yeah, and he just, you know, does a good job at his like day to day work, and then is like Mister Twenty Percent Time and loves Twenty Percent Time and is always making a Slack bot or whatever. Well, first off, Jake Bathman is just one of those people that you just love saying his name because he's just such a guy. What a guy. Mm-hmm. I feel like every place I've worked, there's been someone like that. Yeah. The resident, like, um, drudgery uh, guy. Like, the, the the two companies ago, there was a fella who, yeah, like, he just kind of, it seemed like he almost enjoys just working from nine to five very hard on, mm-hmm. like, issues and support tickets. To me. Tim, the guy at my is, work, Tim. I'd rather enjoys the all I'd the legacy be waterboarded ones. yeah tim tim he's, at he's my the current job he's guy? the guy he's like oh yeah no i want to do this i oh, want to man. work in this old procedural php that still exists for some reason what a low quality of life i have such a hard time even asking somebody to do something like that because i'm like you know do unto others yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know it's like a violation of the golden rule <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but so again, if you're listening to this and you're like, "Oh, I'm that guy," he doesn't there know. There needs but to I be a standard to... in um, programming, and this is, you know, ultimately comes down to the fact that uh, programmers are the most empowered workers in the history of the US, <laughs> and yet <laughs> pretty refuse damn to empowered. unionize. Um, Funny, but because we make so much money anyway, we're just like, who cares? Yeah, and that's why, right? Um, but like other unionized. Uh, labor forces have the concept of hazard pay right mm. that like if you're doing yeah, particularly right. bad or dangerous work right yeah um or like there's inclement weather pay in a lot of like outdoor jobs right, right? where like if it's sleeting but you need to be working on a power line like you're getting an extra 15 bucks an hour for being out there yep. you know this needs to be a thing in uh in programming just like legacy code pay right it's like if this, you know, if you if you're working on like some piece of code that like is just yeah, because that way we can feel less for... bad about like because the thing about it is like there are linemen who are like <laughs> send me out there any type of weather I I love overtime and I love any like bonus money like put me out there absolutely and there must be people like that in programming who would be like for an extra hundred dollars totally. we'd go to the end of the earth. In the trades, this is all figured out. It's like yeah. there's service techs and there's install guys and there's and residential the, and there's commercial and there's and like people, this is all yeah. stuff that that is uh this is all stuff that that it's all parsed out and it's yeah. done and and the and like uh, I know a guy unions. who works at Verizon and he's basically a lineman. He's up on the poles and whatnot and he's like a overtime addict. Like he's yeah. a total workaholic. Like yeah. probably not a great like situation for his family, but uh, dude makes bank. Cause he's up on those poles every chance he gets, yeah. Uh, after hours, which is Dude, show me a pole. Sounds horrible. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So decol. Um, yeah. actually, he's the person. Uh, I have a lot to thank him for. He gave me my first computer, oh. um, and sort of inspired me to program a little bit. Oh. And saw that I plugged in an incandescent light bulb or I into a USB port and lit it up and said, okay. "You're gonna fry your motherboard, kid." That I gave you. Yeah, but okay. it was not true. It was not true. We talked about this. Yes, Daniel. Yes. Um. Oh. So we. Da, da, da. We were. 
I have to leave. We can't I know, go too too. I do too. I'm not going deep. Rich Harris in the podcast, he said that oh we didn't even talk yo-yos. Rich Harris I know. I'm sorry. He said that like everybody in the repository, and this is the 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 what I imagine is the same for Vue.js, like everybody in the repository, like Svelte, they're all volunteers. You know, yeah. there's like a whole team of people and they're all volunteering their time. Right. And I see that and I'm like, damn, like I I feel so bad, like that I make money and everyone else doesn't. And so right. here's the difference. This is the thing with somebody like Rich who works for New York Times or something, and especially something like a Versal Next situation where the company like funds the main developer or two or something. Mm-hmm. And then the rest, like they don't feel guilty because yeah. it's not them making the money. They're just getting their salary. They right. don't feel guilty. So they gladly accept other work. This is what I think. I'm totally just throwing this out here, but like on my repositories, i so Alpine's small time. I'm not, I don't feel that guilty about like people just volunteering to make Alpine better or whatever, but like with live, I don't know, for some reason, like a bigger project, like I just feel guilty feel like i, mean, I need if, to be if, paying if, if you. you would if you would prefer i'd be happy to start a company that takes all of your money and pays you a poverty wage if that would make you feel less guilty <laughs> yes um but you know what i yeah but that's exactly what i need is just somebody to be like we own livewire caleb works for us it's a w2 situation and i'm just that. like no i would hate that yeah. that's the last thing i want but i'm just sort of seeing why like at first i was like whoa that's kind of weird that 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 like a huge part of that operation is volunteer yeah. I thought the only way that Rich well, could do that and sleep at night... part of your money is, is voluntary. If, People give it to you because they want to give it to you. Yeah, right. How does that connect? I think it's very different than, uh, than a lot of other situations where like one person's making money and other people aren't, right? Usually, the, I bet you the people who are volunteering in your issues are also giving you money. A they lot of are, the and that's even worse. <laughs> I know, but it's it is a weird feeling where I'm like I've already take so much, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, I mean I'm fine with it because I put a lot in, but it's yeah. when other people put a lot in that I'm like, yeah. yeah, I put a lot in, but I get money for it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, dude, we've covered some really good ground, and we both this have is, to go. This is a deep and uh, thick, yep. bowl of oatmeal. This episode, thick episode, big time. Yeah. Um, let's cue that outro music. Uh, bum, ba-dum. 